Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verse 22 through 27, Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 5 through 11, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, verse 15 through 21, and Psalm 80. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. I imagine, I'm surprised so many people are here praying when you were probably praying very, very hard last night at that game. And God didn't answer. Well, I guess it depends on whose side you were on. I'm from Oklahoma City, so I, I grew up with the Big 12. So that first game with Michigan, I know Ohio State fans don't. But TCU is who I was rooting for, but for, I was rooting for Ohio State, actually, and I was so sad to see that happen. Today is the first day of 2023, but it's the eighth day of Christmas. But I think it's like the 25th day of clouds here in Cincinnati. Um, today is the Feast of, of the Holy Name, um, the Feast of Circumcision. Jesus is circumcised on the eighth day, a very Jewish uh, custom, very important custom ties Jesus back to the story of Abraham and the Israelites, as you saw kind of early on in that first reading. Today's homily should be about names. It should be about naming and the power of names, but it's not going to be. (laughs) Um, Names are important. You know, I think about my name. I think the first time I remember when my mother um, introduced me to what my name meant, Jason, it's this uh, kind of Greek version of the name Joshua, even kind of, you know, related to Jesus, means healer. And I remember thinking how, wow, like when I heard that, it was like, does that mean, what does that mean? Does that mean that like, it's some kind of like, you know, indication of where I should go in my life or what I should do? Is it, is it a sign? So names are important. You know, I think about names in the Bible. If you, you know, it's probably the name that you don't think about much because if you story, read the story of Ruth um, and, you, and the, the book of Ruth and you have Naomi and Ruth and then Ruth's sister is Orpah. And Orpah, her name literally means back of the neck. And in the story of Ruth and Naomi and Orpah, Orpah is the one that is going to go with Ruth and Naomi but then she decides, no, I'm not going to do it. And she goes back. She goes back into Moab. And so you see the back of her neck as she goes back home. Stories are important. I mean, excuse me, names are very important. They're extremely uh, significant in our lives. You know, it's a very important thing as, parent, as, a, as a parent of two daughters to name our children. I have two daughters with very unique names. My oldest daughter is named Jaffa. Which means, you know, it means in Hebrew, it, it, it's kind of, it means beautiful. When I go to, when I go to Israel and I lead tours to the Holy Land, my Israeli guide, he kind of gives me grief about my loose interpretation. Um, but I'm going to stick to it. And then my daughter's name is Jory. And the story behind that is that I used to be a high school teacher. In fact, when I was attending here, I was a high school teacher. And I had a couple of, of um, students named Jordan that I just wasn't fond of. My wife at the time wanted to name her Jordan. I just couldn't do it. Um, 
I have a sister named Lori, so I said, what if, what if we did something like a, kind of just a, a derivative or a version, a diminutive of, of Jordan? Just kind of connects it to the River Jordan, because we wanted to connect it to the Holy Land because that was an important story in our life, because we had gone and visited the Holy Land. There's a gate in the city of uh, Jerusalem named the Jaffa Gate, which is another reason why we named her Jaffa. So names are important. They tie us to places. They, they're indicative of where we're going and who we are and what's inherent inside of us. I guess I am going to make this story, this homily about names, I guess. Um, but uh, I really wanted to talk about, you know, something that I have been watching this week. So my daughters and I are going to go to Glacier National Park this summer. And, um, of course, what do you do now in 2023 when you prepare to go somewhere or to do something or to fix something? You go to YouTube, right? Um, and so we've been watching lots of YouTube videos. And then um, as I was doing that, it piqued my memory about Ken Burns and his great documentary about the national parks. And actually, I kind of fault him for making the national parks so busy now because you can't go there anymore without it being full of people. But Ken Burns, the great you know, American storyteller, really did an amazing job telling the story of the national park, something, all the, like, what's behind it, um, where they came from, why we have the parks that we have, you know, why they're named, you know, the names that they have. I learned that Yosemite is not really what the name, the original name of the park was. Um, in fact, it's a misunderstanding of the name of the tribe of Indians, American Indians. I'm from Oklahoma. I have very many American Indian friends. They don't, in fact, I talk to them they don't really prefer the Native American term. They like to be called American Indians, which at least the, my, my American Indian friends from Oklahoma. Um, so if I say that word, I don't mean to be, um, I don't mean to sound insensitive. But, you know, so with the national parks, I think the, the story uh, that, that Ken Burns told us in, the, in that documentary, it's really impressive and, and really kind of connected me to this story today. Let me finish what I was saying about Yosemite. Yosemite is what I was trying to say, and then I told a story about my life, and I got, I, I got distracted. Yosemite is actually not the original name of the park, and Yosemite actually means grizzly bear, one that kills, and there was a misunderstanding. So names are important. Names can be, can be falsely applied. False monikers can be applied to people and to um, events, and that's, that's a lesson in itself. But in the story of the national parks, what I saw is a story of ordinary and extraordinary people believing in something and saying yes to something difficult and doing everything they could to make something happen. And then from that energy, from that initiative, from that instigation, other people gathered around them and they took up the cause, and they created these parks. It's the story of, of, of um, the, the Smoky Mountains. It's the story of, of uh, Crater Lake. In fact, one of the stories that was really fascinating is the story of Crater Lake, and how a, a Kansas farmer was unwrapping his sandwich and what, he, what they used to wrap it was newspaper. And in that newspaper was a story of this lake 
that was created by a volcano and then by snowmelt, and he wanted to go see it. He, he committed himself to go see it. By 13, 14, 15 years later, he finally did, and he was so inspired that he led the cause to make it a national park. The national parks are about people. I know they're about place, and they're about nature, and they're about transcendence, and they're about internal wildness, which is what you hear in that documentary. But this na- the story of the national parks is a story about people. And today's story, I mean, you heard it a week ago, you heard it again, we just kind of like gave you a little bit more with the circumcision and the naming. It's the story of people, Mary and Joseph, who said yes to God's mission. And they rallied a community around it, and then from that cause, it grew and expanded to where you're sitting here because of that. And it's a really powerful story, and it's a really meaningful story, but it is a story about people. And today, you know, I, I thought, what do I do when I get up here? I mean, I'm going to be here one, one day. I don't know when I'll ever return. Some of you recognize me. <laughs> um, Gary told you that I, I, I did come from here. Um, I haven't been here in a long time. But I wanted to tell you the story. I'm going to tell you my story just a little bit. I thought, maybe that's a good idea. You know, we can unpack theology. Trust me, I led Bible studies. I love to unpack theology, but I thought maybe this is the moment for some of you who re- remember me to kind of re-remember me. And for those of you who have never met me, to hear how I'm connected to this place um, and how important it is to me. You know, my story um, is connected to, to this place and to this community. And I, you know... I definitely don't put myself in the category of an extraordinary person doing great things, but I will tell you my story starting in about 2010, 2011, is about somebody who went through something very difficult and emerged out of it. I was committed to not letting that event defeat me. It was my divorce to my first wife. And it was a very dark time for me. And around 2011, 2010 is when that happened. And in response to that story, I came here. And I came here and I found healing, and I found connection, and I found relationship. When I first came here, I had two little girls, and now they're 16 and 14. They're probably eight and six at the time, maybe a little bit younger. Um, And we came to the banquet. I think the banquet's in here now, but it wasn't there. That's how I remember it. And, um, you know, so I grew up very different, in a very different denomination. I grew up in the Pentecostal church. And so my great-grandfather was the bishop of the Pentecostal Holiness Church and ordained Oral Roberts. I went, to the Oral Ro- I went to Oral Roberts University because my family was close friends with the Roberts. I was very connected in that community, very connected. My grandmother was an author, an organist, a painter, a poet. She, was, she quilted, she did everything, but she was the ghostwriter for Oral Roberts. She wrote his books. I was deeply connected 
to that community. Um, I went to Oral Roberts and became an Episcopalian. That's the funny story. Um, everybody asked me, how did you go from there to here? And I said, well, I went to Oral Roberts University. And they don't, they don't make the connection. But at ORU, there was a noon service right after the, right after the, the big all-campus uh, chapel. And it was, a, it was a, an Episcopal liturgy, and I fell in love with it. It was something that I had not experienced growing up in the church and the denomination that I was used to. And I fell in love with it. And then I got married to a woman, to someone who went to Oral Roberts University with me. And she wanted nothing to do with the Episcopal Church. So we got married. I, it was just not deep enough in me to, to stick to it. Um, but after we divorced, this was the place. It was like, oh, I can go back to the Episcopal Church. And I can come here. And I'm very thankful for this place. Because when I came here, and I want you guys to hear this, it saved my life. When I went to the banquet and when I went to that place, I felt, first of all, it was a wonderful transition for me. It, was, it wasn't this, and, I, and I, not, please, I do not knock this because I love this, but it wasn't the traditional. It was kind of that balance, and it was a great transition for me, for someone who grew up with lo, much less kind of a lower, low, low church and not the traditions and not familiar with the creeds and those types of things. And so it was a great transition, but it was also very formative. It taught me the liturgy. It helped me understand the liturgy better. I mean, I had experienced the liturgy, but in there I learned the liturgy. And my kids learned the liturgy. But what was most important was I was in a community of people that helped me heal. The banquet was a very, very important service for me. And then from that service from that experience because I could go through that and heal and then be restored and then be renewed I reheard my calling to my vocation to God's service in the, in the form of holy orders and from out of that healing and out of that peace I reheard that calling and then I went from there and I'm standing here today because of you because of this place it's very significant but ultimately because of the you the people the story today of the naming is a very important story about names in, the, in Jesus's name and there's so much to unpack and what his name means there's so much to unpack about Jesus's life and how this marks the beginning of a new kingdom in a new age, in a new era. There's so much to unpack about this story of the holy name, about Jesus' circumcision. We can tie it, you know, Jesus being circumcised. God's salvation is in the here and the now, in the physical, in the flesh, in our everyday. We can, we can do all that. But the story of the name is about people being faithful to God and to each other. I think that's the story of the Redeemer. I, I, I know it's been the story. I know it will continue to be the story of Redeemer. And I thank you personally 
for being faithful to that story. Amen.